and welcome to the Dr. Dion Show on Business Radio X, where you can listen to smart dialogue about diversity, leadership, and behavior in the workplace and beyond. We are broadcasting live from the Gwinnett Business Radio X studio, located at Sinesta Hotel Gwinnett Place, Atlanta in Duluth, Georgia. I am joined by executive producer, Mr. Mike Salmon. I'm your host, Dr. Dion Wright-Polton. On today's show, we're going to address a very difficult subject with some with three young women and who have been described as a forgotten growing segment of the population. They are young women who have unexpectedly lost their husbands. Their lives were turned upside down, but they had to continue to work, take care of their families, all with the burden of dealing with the gr- their grief and learning to live without their spouses. It is for this reason that I have entitled this show, Widowed Warriors. During this show, we're going to address the following questions. What is the experience of having one's life, life make such an unexpected turn? How does losing a husband affect a woman emotionally, physically, and financially? How does one move forward and get back on her feet after such a tragedy? What roles do and should employers play in facilitating recovery from tragedy? And the last question we'll address too is, are employers equipped to meet the multifaceted needs of widows? I know this is an extremely difficult top topic to listen to, think, or even consider. As a, as a woman who is married, it's a very difficult topic for me as well. But I think it's important for us to understand how we can protect ourselves as women in the event some, some tragedy happens and to also um, hopefully get some sympathy or, or, or have empathy for women who have gone through this tragedy. I will add that in the United States, we are the third largest population of widows at 13.6 million widows in the U.S. This is behind China with 43 million women and India with 42 million women. And I'll also add that uh, we're going to talk a little bit financial situations, but the um, majority of women or the average income, I would say, of a, of a widowed woman is $25,000 a year, which is not an easy way to live. So I'd like to thank my guests for coming, Ms. Shonda Cooper, Ms. Marlene Santiago, and Ms. Michelle Anderson. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very pleased that you're here, and I, I really appreciate your bravery. Can we just start off by just um, just tell uh, our listeners who you are, where you're from, uh, just what what you do for um, a living, and um, and if and we'll just also get into um, how you lost your husbands. Who would like to go first? Um, I'll go first. Sure. I'm Shonda Cooper, originally from Louisville, Kentucky, and moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, well, we reside in Alpharetta, Georgia. Moved here. Uh, in 2000, after I graduated from the University of Louisville, uh, I work as a senior writer producer for a um, national news network. And I lost my husband in 2006 when he was in a car accident. I'm Marlene Santiago Cook. I am original from Puerto Rico. I joined the military when I was 18, spent 12 years active duty. My spouse was getting close to retirement, so we decided to that I will leave the military. We came here to Georgia in 1998. He retired, went to work at the CDC. In 2012, he passed of a sudden heart attack. He was only 52. Hi, I am Michelle Anderson, originally from Atlanta, now residing outside of Lawrenceville, Georgia. I am in sales for a leading manufacturer and supplier of metal building insulation. Um, I lost my husband, Christopher, in 2013 from a sudden aortic dissection. Um, He had not been sick before that, so uh, it was a surprise, very shocking turn of events. I was 39, he was 41, and we have two children at that time still in high school, currently in college, uh, pursuing an education degree. When you get that news that your that your husband has passed away, or you wake up the next day and discover that he's um, left you, or he's left us, what is the first thing that you had to do to even begin to comprehend what happened? Well, in my case, I was there when it happened. Now, I mentioned earlier that he was only fifty two. It was a weekend. I work. At, I'm a director of IT service management, and I was getting ready for a business trip. It was the weekend. We were sitting at home, and that day he got up and wasn't feeling well. He was moping around all day, and we kept asking if he wanted to go to the doctor. He said, no, we'll see. We were watching a football game, and during halftime, he had gone upstairs. And when I went upstairs, he was on the floor, tried to 
to CPR, called 911. Paramedics came and they were never able to revive him. So I was there when it happened. Next morning, you think maybe it was a bad dream, maybe it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. the first few minutes, you know, when you wake up and then it hits you. No, it is reality. Mm-hmm. It really did happen. Right. I remember I kept shaking my head like I was trying to clear the cobwebs and, and wake up from this bad dream that had become my reality. Um, I, too, was at the hospital. They actually brought us into the room when uh, he had when they coded him and they wanted me to be there to ensure that they had done all of the life saving measures that we had um, asked them to do. And it was also a part of them allowing me to start the grieving process to see him actually pass, which was incredibly difficult because uh, the scenes that they show you on TV of them doing CPR and resuscitating is not how it happens in reality. It looks like they are physically hurting your loved one. Um, They actually can break a rib when trying to resuscitate your loved one. After having already seen him endured so much through the 45-day hospital stay that he he had, um, it was really difficult to watch that unfold. But um, again, it, it kind of started the healing process because I, I knew that, or at least the grieving process, because I knew that I had done everything and the hospital had done everything that was possible to bring my husband back home to me. And it it wasn't beyond our control. Yeah, I agree. The first thing you have to do is kind of process it. Um, Chuck was 32 years old when he passed and I was five months pregnant with our son. And it was nothing short of a nightmare for me as well. It took a long time for me to realize that it it wasn't a dream. Um, You know, you just don't believe it Mm -hmm. because things like this don't happen. Right. (laughs) Or Mm -hmm. this wasn't supposed to happen. I mean, we had plans the next day. We had plans that night. Mm -hmm. It, it It was extremely difficult to see what I saw when he was in the hospital because uh, he was, in essence, you know, dying right in front of me. Mm-hmm. I was not prepared to see that, didn't expect to see it. And uh, being five months pregnant, it was it, it just it really took its toll. You know, to answer your question, Dr. Poulton, the next day, uh, the sun didn't shine the same. It, it, it just didn't. Mm-hmm. It, that's cliched, but really, it did not shine right. the same. You look at life through a completely different lens from that point forward. Mm-hmm. Everything changes. Your perspective on life changes. Your reality or the reality of death changes. Mm-hmm. Um, you think mm-hmm. about um, dying one day because we all have to go one day. You don't expect, you know, your loved ones like ours to go so soon. Uh, but it really puts it in front of you um, right. that once it's over, it's over. Like you don't hear that person's voice again. You right. uh, yeah. you don't see that person again. And it's di- it's difficult, at least for the first couple of weeks, to speak about them in the past tense. Right. Like mm-hmm. Chuck was. Right. Or, yes. you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you have to, um, you're so used to saying, oh, he is, he's upstairs. Right. Exactly. He is this or he is that. And you have to get used to saying he was. And um, the reality of that is it's just difficult to, to, to grasp. Right. And in my case, it was a bit different. We were getting used to the emptiness. The mm-hmm. youngest one was in college, about to finish college. I had my children when I was very young. So at this point, we were getting used to the emptiness. So starting to get used to the emptiness and talk about all the things that we were going to do. He was in school. He was five months away from completing his PhD mm-hmm. in health promotion. Wow. And we say, once he finished, we're going to go and do all of the things that we wanted to do, but we didn't do because the kids were here right. and they needed us so much. So all of a sudden, I found myself single, no kids, no responsibility, all on my own. And that was a big chalker because I had my first son when I was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. So in my adult life, I had never been on my own. Right. So after you experience that kind of tragedy, how do you how do you return to work and how do you just function? And having I I haven't lost a husband, but I I remember losing parents and I remember. Nothing mattered for a long time. I didn't care what was going on other than my kids and my husband. That was it. 
And so it was very difficult to to function the same way. I'm not trying to to, to say that my experience is the same as yours, but I, I have grief is grief, and I think pain is pain. Absolutely. And people, um, we experience it. Unfortunately, if you live long enough, you will you will experience grief. It's at some point you experience loss at some point. So how right. do you, how did you, as 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 three women, how did you? Go back to the workplace. Well, in in my case, I was fortunate to work for an employer who told me to take as much time as I needed. They were, they really wrapped their arms around me and really supported me and gave me everything I needed to help me to achieve some type of normal that even, you know, made sense at the time. And, And I did. That's exactly what I did because I was pregnant. I was confused. I was alone. We moved to Atlanta together. Mm-hmm. And then here yeah. I was by myself um, with the mm-hmm. baby on the way. And so he passed in May of 2006. And I spent the rest of that spring and all of that summer thinking about what I was going to do. What in the world mm-hmm. do I do now? Mm-hmm. And um, my employer gave me the the time to do that. And I I didn't go back to work really until after the first of the year in 2007. And um it was probably a good thing that I did because I wouldn't have been any good to them <laughs> any time before that because you can't right. concentrate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You can't. You're, you're busy. Fog. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Right. You don't have mm-hmm. any sense of, of, you know, where you're going and you just have to put all that into to to focus and to perspective right. before you can do anything else. Right. Did you say widow's fog? I did. Is that Yes. Time? It is a clinical definition that mm-hmm. happens to women after the passing or sudden loss of their husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, it you're you have difficulties making cognitive decisions, um, connecting dots, uh, very detail oriented work. Um, I, I, for instance, do a lot of detail drawing work and things of that nature. And, and I remember early on. Um, my employer too was good in the sense that I could take as much time off as I needed, but I didn't get paid during that time. It was unpaid leave, wow. which made it difficult for me to um, to stay at home because I was now a single income. And so wow. getting used to that and then going back to work, I took three weeks off right after he passed. I was out of work for the six weeks he was in the hospital. And then I took another three weeks after that. And then returned part-time for the next month. Mm-hmm. So I did take a, a good a bit of time, I felt like, for me. Um, but I still remember that a year after returning, finding mistakes that I had made during that time when I first came back that cost a significant amount of money that I should have under normal sta- circumstances mm-hmm. found and not made. But I, I just was unable because not only are you trying to balance work, but you're trying to balance a, a bank account, a checkbook, mm-hmm. paying bills, mm-hmm. keeping the lights on, the groceries in the house, your kids fed, and they too are grieving. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to support them in their grief all while keeping yourself together too, uh, because you don't. I necessarily uh, didn't want to make other people uncomfortable with my grief. And so I chose to have a stoic front in front of them because I didn't want to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. And that was my case. He was, I was getting ready for the passing of my oldest brother. He was 48 years old. He was diagnosed with cancer and he was terminal. So I, I had a plane ticket for January 12, 2012. I was going back to Puerto Rico to see my brother one last time to go and, and talk to him before he passed. And my husband passed away January 8th. So a few days before I was supposed to go and see my brother, my husband passed. Here I am getting ready for the death of somebody so close to me. And you go through that process and you're never ready. Mm-hmm. But you're getting used to the idea that they're going to pass. Mm-hmm. And then your husband passed all of a sudden right. without no notice. So I went through the grieving process. They Every employer, you have three days bereavement. That right. is really what the employers, mm-hmm. uh, by law, is three days. Most of them will give you the rest of the time. If you have a good employer, they might say, take your time and you still get paid. You may have vacation. Some people have the option to take the vacation or 
unpaid time off. Mm -hmm. In my case, I went through the funeral. I took the time to go back home and see my brother one last time. I saw him for a few days, came back and went to work. And I found that work was my safe place. Mm -hmm. It gave me some normancy. Mm -hmm. We talked about my boss had asked me, what will I like to happen? Do I want the people not to talk to me about it? Or is it okay for them to mention? What what will make me comfortable? My boss took the time to really talk to me about what will I like to do once I get back to work. And once I was, I was back at work, she was touching bases with me about, do you want to change something? Is everything okay? A few weeks after going back to work, my brother passed away. So I took another few days to go mm-hmm. back home again for his funeral. Mm-hmm. And upon returning, work became my safe place again. Right. The one thing they tell you is don't make any changes, any drastic changes, mm-hmm. right. at least for a year after right. you go through something like that, because you don't want to make any uh, rash decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. So I waited. I was working from home and I make a choice to change my job so I could leave the house because I needed to be around people. Mm-hmm. I thought that it would have been really easy for me to just get caught at home without anybody around and be so involved with my work that I lost myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're listening to The Dr. Dion Show on Business Radio X. I'm speaking with three widowed warriors, I like to call them, Michelle Anderson, Marlene Santiago Cook, and Shonda Cooper. Uh, let's continue the conversation. Um, Marlene, you're just talking about um, that's that's really awesome of your employer or your boss to come and ask you, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Did you have the same experiences, Shonda? And like you said you had you had some additional ex- time. Yeah, absolutely. I when I when it was time for me to go back to work, they my supervisor, my boss called me and, and welcomed me, you know, was told me that everyone was glad that I was going to be back at work on Monday, which made me feel really good. And she also added, um, you know, there's a lot of pictures of Chuck on your desk. Do you want us to take those down? And I said, wow. no. No, his pictures are all over this house. And, hmm. you know, I don't, I, I like to see him. Right. You know, I don't have any reason to take his pictures right. down. But thanks. Thanks for asking. And, um, you know, they were just they were just really considerate and, and very um, respectful mm-hmm. of uh, my privacy and, and very, um, very uh, considerate of me at, at that time. That's great. Right. And I would echo that. Um, my employer, they I worked for a satellite office, not necessarily the corporate office. So I didn't have constant contact with um, my boss or with the um, the HR department. But they were good about emailing. Um, I had coworkers here at the local satellite office that were really good about checking on me. Um, they had food sent to the house because you're not thinking about having to cook or, or eat. eat. For that matter. <laughs> exactly. And so um, that enabled us to, they, they did that for a couple of weeks. And, and that allowed me the time to not have to focus on making sure that my kids were fed. Um, and so that was a, a nice benefit that the uh, the office provided. I will say that it was um, my coworkers. It was interesting to interact with them afterwards because uh, we were we shared a lot before my husband had passed. We were very close. Uh, they're still dear friends of mine. Um, but I remember sitting there at my desk one time, and they were talking about the bachelor and who'd gotten the rose the night before and <laughs> reality TV. And I was thinking, like, how did I get to this place? Like, I don't even comprehend this environment. Like, I don't under I, how can I care about who got a rose the night before when I'm trying to decide, do I pay this bill or do I pay that one? Mm-hmm. Do I keep my lights on or do I buy groceries? And, and their concept of reality didn't fit my concept of reality. So that was an interesting dynamic. But as far as the employee, employer, um, I think they do as good as they know to do that. Um, it, it's like Marlene was saying, a three-day bereavement period, uh, which is n- definitely uh, not, not long enough. enough. There's no time no. at all. Um, but I think it should be changed on a government level, both mm-hmm. federal and state, mm-hmm. um, and and that once that happens and it trickles down, then once we know to do better, then we do better, and they'll be able to offer that service to the widows. 
Yes. And how long do you think is, is a reasonable amount of time Oof. for bereavement? <laughs> well, I mean, Shauna, uh, you are uh, just an anomaly to have that opportunity to just to come back right. when you're ready. I know. Very, very fortunate. I, t- I think uh, me being pregnant has something to do with that, too, though, because right. mm-hmm. um, that just added the the extra burden on me. And, uh, you know, exactly four months to the day that Chuck passed away, our son was born. So I would have taken mm-hmm. maternity leave anyway. Um, but they really, they took that into consideration. I, and I, I, I don't take anything away from that, though. I, I was extremely fortunate mm-hmm. um, that they were so giving. And in my case, it was they offer, but I made a choice. Right. At a point to say, I need some normalcy in my life. Right. I need to have a schedule. I am very methodical. Everything at its place. Everything have a purpose. My friends joke about the fact that the day after my husband passed, they came in early in the morning. And by the time that I came in, but by, by the time that they came in, I was already dressed and showered. I had done my <laughs> hair and I had makeup on. And they say, once they saw me, they say, she's going to be okay. Right. That's great. Because right. to me, it was, well, I'm going to have all these things to do. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of people around. I need to get ready. You know, there are things to do. After those few minutes, when I say it's not a nightmare, this is reality. Mm-hmm. Right. Then all of the thoughts about all of the things that I was going to have to do mm-hmm. came rushing. And I was fortunate to have a very supportive community mm-hmm. that came around and I never felt alone, even though I don't have family here. Right. They all came in and I have friends that help with coordination for travel for relatives that were coming out mm-hmm. of town. One of my neighbors up front, she was the one coordinating for the food and she had a schedule when people offered to bring food. She said, okay, you're responsible for bringing food on Wednesday. You're bringing breakfast for this many people. And they became just such a source of comfort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when the family started arriving, everything was set and I didn't feel alone. Yeah. So that was comfort for me. Right. And th- that's awesome too, because I find that sometimes, or a lot of times people, after you lose somebody, they're, they share their condolences, they come to the funeral and they call you. And then after that, it just kind of just, that's it. And, 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 Nobody follows up. Sorry, not everybody, but mm-hmm. a lot of people just, oh, you're back to normal. You you can talk about the bachelor. You're right. you're you're the same person that 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 um that was before this incident. And right. so in adult education, it's it's called the transformative event in your life that that, that leaves you forever mm-hmm. changed. So right. how do you, how can you see things exactly the same way as before this incident happened that kind of just basically just changed your whole life and your perspective? So how can you be the same? So um so that's great that you're able to have people there to continue to support you and to yes. understand right. what you needed. Because a lot of times, um, especially without the experiential knowledge, people don't realize how to show support. They think they're being supportive uh, or, they, or, they, or they forget to be supportive. They, they, they mm-hmm. say, oh, how you doing? But they don't really want to know the answer sometimes. Right. Go ahead, Shonda. No, I was going to say. <laughs> You're laughing. <laughs> yes, because, and I can laugh at this now, but I think you ladies can relate to this because I'm sure you heard it. Uh, I heard this so many times and people that I haven't been through this don't know how offensive this is. And this hmm. is the, and just a, a advice to your listeners, Dr. Poulsen, that this is not the right thing to say. But when they come, <laughs> <laughs> when they come up to you at the funeral, the memorial or the repast at the house or whatever, and they say, Everything happens for a reason. (laughs) Or he's in a better place. Mm -mm. His place is with me. Right. And what reason is it Mm. that he was cut down at the prime of his life at 32 years old when he had everything to live for, Mm -hmm. uh, a baby on the way and a happy life? Right. Tell me the reason. Right. It will probably take all of my life to if there is a reason to realize um, right. that reason, mm-hmm. because I, it, I, that's hard for me to to wrap mm-hmm. my head around. I don't I don't see the reason why Chuck is not here. He was, mm-hmm. and, and for a long time, I remember thinking, "Wow, you know, there's so many bad people in this world. Oh yeah, that right. shouldn't exactly. be here. Right, and, that, and for how did he get to, chosen? Yeah, you know? how did he get chosen to exit? Mm-hmm. So soon. That seems to be um, a common thought. Right. Whenever you hear the news and all of these celebrities yeah. and all the awful things uh-huh. and you think, right. you know, my case, Jeff was, you know, an amazing man. This is the person that I was supposed to grow old with. 
even joke about, you know, I'm going to outlive you. He used to say that because he ran all the time. He was <laughs> wow. better. And right. I said, go ahead. I don't care. I don't want anybody changing my diapers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we joke about that, about who was going to live the longest. And he said he was going to outlive me. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden for him to be gone is, wow, mm-hmm. how did that happen? Right. So did you want to share, um, Sean, you shared an example of what not to say. Do either of you want to share a scenario or um, a challenge that you still have? that kind of gets exacerbated when people say and do things that they don't, they don't quite understand. Right. Absolutely. Um, for me, we were very active in our church. My husband was actually a minister. And so a lot of well-meaning, um, good hearted people would say, I, I had one lady, an older lady, actually, um, as she was passing by the casket during the viewing say to me, I'm not going to say I'm sorry because you know he's better off. And that hurts so bad. (laughs) I looked at her and I said, did you really just say that? It's one thing to feel that about he's in a better place. The world is so broken. But it's quite another for her to say that to me two days after he's passed. Um, So that is another thing to add to the list. Things not to say. (laughs) Yes. That's really insensitive. Uh, very, uh, very, very. But I think people, Dr. Dr. Dion, I think people say it. Um, they, they don't have bad intentions, no, but they, right. but they yeah, don't they know. Don't. They haven't, maybe they haven't been through it before, so they just don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. So they just say something to just to be saying to it feel, or to, right. to try to make you feel better. Right. But they don't realize, you mm-hmm. know, that's just not the but right that was, of, that was a little flippant, though. It was very okay. flippant. Yeah. But yeah. one of the better things that somebody said since we're giving what not to say, I, I'll give this for your listeners to say. Um, I worked with him for a long time. We were very close. And he called me up and he said, I don't know what to say to you. I was afraid mm-hmm. to call you, but I want you to know that I'm here for you. And if you want to say anything. And so I told him, I said, as Americans, we are conditioned to gain and to build, whether it's wealth or knowledge but we're not really given a vocabulary on how to lose. So I understand that you don't have the words to articulate what you're feeling, but that you came to me and said that speaks volumes about the kind of person that you are. That's awesome. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And that's difficult for people, what to say, what not to say, you know, do they acknowledge the Mm -hmm. fact or not? Mm -hmm. And then being a younger widow, Quite often people start talking about, well, you will start dating. You will find love again. Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, yes. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, I'm not there right now. This is not the Mm -hmm. time or the place. Mm -hmm. Really, I'm grieving my spouse. You know, maybe eventually, you you never know. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. this is really not the time. And that's not the comment that I really want to hear right now. (laughs) No. You're listening to The Dr. Dion Show on Business Radio X. I'm speaking with widowed warriors, Michelle Anderson, Marlene Santiago-Cook, and Shonda Cooper. Let's change gears for a second. How is, can, you, can you pinpoint one or two things that you can say that you do differently now after losing your husband? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> one or two things. Okay. <laughs> Wow. What are one or two things? That's awesome. Because let me add one more word. Because one thing that I've, I've, I've been speaking with each of you separately, mm-hmm. the word empowerment has come up. Mm-hmm. So can Absolutely. you, would you want to talk about how, you know, even how devastating death is that mm-hmm. when you get to the other side, it's empowering. Mm-hmm. You want to share? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> there's something empowering about even, uh, you know, changing the doorknob on the door. When your husband mm-hmm. used to do all yes. those things, mm-hmm. there's something empowering about, you know, just being the breadwinner when he mm-hmm. was the one making the money. Mm-hmm. He was the one holding you guys up. There's something that there's an awful lot of empowerment in that. Um, it makes me makes me certainly makes me feel proud. Sometimes I think uh, what I'm burdened with um, a lot, though, is, like, you know, did I make the right decision, uh, mm-hmm. you know, about this? I think about what. What would, you know, when people say, what would Jesus do? I think, what would Chuck do a lot? Right. Uh, especially like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. with, with mice and with our son who he didn't 
have the opportunity to meet. But, um, you know, I, I, I struggle with whether I make the right decisions for, for him a lot. Did mm-hmm. I choose the right school? He loves mm-hmm. football. Is it, is it, should, should I let him play football? Would Chuck let him play football? Mm-hmm. You know, am I doing this investment right for our money? But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, there's, it's, it's a lot of empowerment and just being alone and doing the things that your husband would normally do. Yeah. Right. I feel that I survived the worst that could possibly happen to me at that time. And that has leveled other women and they've not come out of it uh, the way that I have. And that is what gives me a sense of empowerment and lets me know that um, I no longer will accept mediocrity or uh, inferior treatment. Mm-hmm. I, I'm much more assertive with my requests yeah. and with um, the way that I expect people to treat me. And I'm much more quick to point that out as opposed to the way I was before he passed. Right. Well, you served in Desert Storm as I, well. Did you, yeah. I, I, so, I, you have to have you know, some skin to do right. that. It's a bit different because I mentioned I was active duty in the military for 12 years and Desert Storm veteran. This was actually my second marriage. I did a lot of things different this time. And one of the things that I was doing was I managed the finances in our home. Mm-hmm. It was very, he, he worked, I mentioned at the CDC, and then he was going to school at the same time for his doctorate. And, and we balanced a lot of the, the duties. However, he had this thing about the blue task and the pink task, <laughs> which I thought it was very sexy. <laughs> so he took care of the blue task, the yard, all of the things right. outside. Right. <laughs> and I, I took care of the other pink task. And once he passed, they're all purple tasks. They're all right. mine yes. now. Right. I know. So I had to go and look at things different. It drove me crazy that I couldn't maintain the same standards and do everything mm-hmm. the same way as mm-hmm. we did when we have two people. People mm-hmm. taking care of, you know, the yard and taking care of the things in the house mm-hmm. and work. Mm-hmm. And I have a very demanding job and mm-hmm. trying to outsource a lot of those tasks that he used to do. Right. And I tried to do some of them myself. And <laughs> needless to mm-hmm. say, they don't turn out so good. The bushes up front, <laughs> you know, not my thing. Right. I did change a, a light switch and I was so proud of that. Wow. I, I got to do a blue task. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but there are certainly a lot of differences to as to how you behave mm-hmm. the things that you do mm-hmm. how you interact with others mm-hmm. and what are the things that you know you can do on your own mm-hmm. right and that doesn't mean that you don't need anybody that doesn't mean you don't need a man mm-hmm. right it's just you're capable you made it through this mm-hmm. and you can make it so so much more and I'm thankful. The one thing I say is that I'm thankful for peace and acceptance mm-hmm. because so many people don't reach that point. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think God did anything to me. Right. You mm-hmm. know, it was it was that that time for whatever reason. And I don't know the reason mm-hmm. for whatever reason. It was his time to go. Mm-hmm. And I have to be OK with it. Right. And how did you get there? You know, I don't know exact, exactly how. I do know the time, my aha moment. Mm-hmm. You know, my aha moment when I felt all this weight lifted, it happened at the grocery store. And this is very silly because <laughs> I was in the middle of the grocery store. And for so many years, I mentioned I have three sons and they were grown boys mm-hmm. and a husband. So you can imagine the cooking. The food. Yes, <laughs> all of the food. Oh. Well, my husband liked the Think pork chops, the ones that by the time you bread them, they're like cardboard. <laughs> and the boys love those too. So that's what I cook. I mean, it was every time that we had pork chops, those are the ones that I prepare because that's what they like. That's what they love. And it was not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you sacrifice, you don't realize you make the sacrifice and what you change for others right. and you just do it. Mm-hmm. So one day I'm in the grocery store I'm shopping and I'm thinking, huh, I feel like some pork chops. I haven't had those in a while. <laughs> and I'm going through the motions. I think throw things in the cart. And then I stopped in the middle of the aisle and it just hit me. This was about four months after Jeff had passed. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking in the cart and I said, what am I doing? Why I'm putting this in the cart? 
I have picked the same pork chops. That thing was that I don't <laughs> like, that's what it was in my cart because I've been so conditioned to doing for others. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it hit me. I say, I can get whatever I want. Hmm. It was this mm-hmm. permission. Mm-hmm. This time when it just hit me that I can, I'm free. I don't have the guilt of mm-hmm. doing something for me and making others adjust to my desires or mm-hmm. my preference. Mm-hmm. Right. And as women, we give up so much without mm-hmm. even realizing. We do. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about it twice because it's, it doesn't hurt you. Right. It, it's not a big sacrifice. It doesn't kill right. you. It makes them happy. So you just do it and you do it so often that it becomes second nature and you don't mm-hmm. think about it. So at that moment, I started thinking, what else am I doing? I don't have it. Right. Hmm. If I could do anything, what will I do? Mm-hmm. And quite often the answer was, I don't know. I haven't mm-hmm. thought about it. Wow. Right. I will say that um, there are gifts that come from grief, if you can call them gifts. I know that sounds like a an oxymoron, but... Mm-hmm. Truly, when your life has been completely shattered the way that it is when your pa- your spouse passes suddenly, you're able to look at a situation and instinctively determine what's important and what's not. Right. Mm-hmm. And you have a capacity to, in an instant, let what's not slide and focus on what is important. Um, you have a deeper capacity to love. Uh, you're quicker to forgive. You um, are empathetic with other people and, and are able to express sympathy on a mm-hmm. level that you wouldn't have been able to had you not been confronted with it, like a sudden passing of your spouse. Yeah, she said um, it's something um, that really resonated with me. She said her aha moment. And I remember when my aha moment, it was a little bit different. It was um, pro- It was about two or three months after Chuck passed. It was shortly before Myson was born. And when I tell you, I said before, I sat home most of that summer and just sat in front of the air conditioner in Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> sat in front of the air conditioner <laughs> and, and, yeah. and just tried to figure out and process what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? Um, for the first time in my life, I, I was alone. Chuck and I got married when I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. We moved to Atlanta right after I graduated from um college. And when I was 29 is, is when he passed. And all of a sudden I was alone. I moved out of my mm-hmm. mother's house and moved mm-hmm. in with, we moved in together and got married. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was laying there moping around and just grieving, um, I was just devastated. But one day I woke up and I just said, I have got to get myself together. Mm-hmm. I looked down in my stomach and I said, this little boy has no idea. Right. He's depending on you. He's the, and he that's mm-hmm. exactly that's right. And mm-hmm. I said, I owe it to him, right, to get myself together. Yes, because he has no idea what he's stepping into, mm-hmm. and I've got to get it together for him. Mm-hmm. So that was like my aha moment when mm-hmm. I decided that that I'm going to be strong enough to to do this and turn right. things around. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Michelle, what did you do mm-hmm. for your? You had two daughters, right? I two daughters. D- yes, two girls. They were. 17 and 18 when he passed and they became my reason for getting out of bed every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I knew that if it were just me, I probably wouldn't, I'd, I'd still be in bed right now, three and a half years later, but I knew that they deserved more. They deserved the best that I could give them. Even if at that time it was half capacity, mm-hmm. they deserved better. And Christopher's memory deserved that. Yep. Yeah. And I saw the mothers. I saw my mom and I saw my mother-in-law, you know, grieving for a child. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how old you are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. I mean, they have lost their oldest son, both of them. Right. No, my my mother, here's my brother at 48, my mother-in-law. Wow. The oldest son at 52. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, as bad as it is losing your spouse, I cannot imagine right. losing a child. Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. And to watch them go through this in the grieving. Right. And I say, I have to be strong for mm-hmm. them as well. Mm-hmm. This is such a powerful conversation. I really, really appreciate your your um, your candor and just, uh, just sharing your stories. We're coming to the end of um, the show, but I wanted to ask you one more question. 
And the question is, what kind of advice would you give to a woman who's married, who relies on her spouse and the presence of her husband? And, and what are there any precautionary steps you think she should take? Uh, I'll share quickly mm-hmm. that um, my husband's lost his father. My husband lost his father very early when he was like probably he's almost 16. And my mother-in-law moved from England to Canada and she was with two kids and all of a sudden she's a widow and they're, they're in mm-hmm. Canada for seven years. Yeah. I'm sharing that because one thing I have to give her credit for is that even though I'm married to her son, every time I've talked to her, or even before I did, for example, my doctorate, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, I think I want to do this. She always says, go and do it. She's yes, always said, yeah. go do it. Yes. Do what you go do what you gotta do. And she's and I mm-hmm. think she's always said that. Well, she did tell me one day that she's done she said that because we talk about the sacrifices, Marlene. We yes. talk about mm-hmm. what we do and, and how we mm-hmm. put our, our ourselves and, and our, our wants and our needs on the back burner and we assume that okay, we're gonna have our turn mm-hmm. at some point. Right. And then something happens and okay, you're you're left. So I so I have to I mean so my mother in law I really credit her for that, that she's mm-hmm. really, really mm-hmm. always supported me in that manner. Mm-hmm. So right. given what you've gone through Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to any woman? And and um, I'll also add uh, that my next show, I'm actually going to have on Jerry Hewitt, Hewitt Miller, who is, um, she's the owner of Wealth Horizons. She's going to actually talk mm-hmm. about the financial aspect in detail as right. to what women can do right. to, to, to prepare, to, to, mm-hmm. to, to, um, to, to, um, to, to, recover after right. they've, they've experienced divorce right. or mm-hmm. loss, or whatever. So I want to mention mm-hmm. that, but, but what advice would you give to, Women, sure. Any, any of any age, right? Right, absolutely. No, I, I don't speak from experience because I did everything wrong. <laughs> uh, but, but I would, when you asked that question earlier today, and and I've been thinking about it, it's important to establish a separate line of credit in your own name and not do joint all of the time. For me, all of our credit was in my husband's name. Mm-hmm. So once he passed, and his accounts were closed, deceased, it looked like I no longer had credit. So when we had to move from the home that we lived in, because it was much too much for me to keep up by myself, and I went to apply for a mortgage, I didn't have a credit history. And they said, this looks on paper worse than it would if you had too much debt, because you don't have any. So I had to, we moved in with my mother who was so gracious to allow us that time to recover and for me to establish credit so that we could get approved for a mortgage. But I would definitely uh, encourage your listeners to establish their own credit, know their financial situation, know their financial institutions, know how to contact those people. Um, Make sure that your documents are in order, your power of attorney, uh, your will is very important your health directives, if there were to come a sudden tragedy or accident and your significant other or spouse has to be hospitalized, what were their wishes for their care? Because that takes a level of burden off of the spouse from making all of those difficult decisions. Know who your insurance provider is and really plan for the unexpected because you never know when that unexpected may happen. For us, it was about preparedness. And I mentioned that I did all of the finances and I took the time. He he will say sometimes if something happens to you, I wouldn't know anything where anything is. <laughs> so I will sit him down and say, well, let's go and at least let me show you where everything is. Mm-hmm. So if something was to happen, you at least know where to go right. to start from somewhere mm-hmm. instead of just going from scratch, trying to figure things out. So I had separate things, you know, files that are clearly labeled uh, in case anything was to happen that he would have been able Mm -hmm. to take over from what I was doing Mm -hmm. and be able to identify the accounts, be able to go into the insurance, all of those things I had. Mm -hmm. So that made it easier for me because I was already doing all of this. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to go and try to figure out where things are and try to identify, Mm -hmm. um, you know, employers and numbers, account numbers, insurance. I had all of that. We did have the joint accounts Mm -hmm. and we were very good about making sure that both names were on things. So Mm -hmm. in that way, we could always access the accounts and make decisions or changes because if Mm -hmm. you're not authorized in an account, then your only option is to close it and start fresh with whatever the, Mm -hmm. the provider is. 
So we have both names. And that came from being a second marriage, just saying mm-hmm. we are coming together and we all, we both have mm-hmm. the same rights and we have, we're joining all of these things and we know about each other's status mm-hmm. financially and we're coming together, building a life together. So mm-hmm. it wasn't about your accounts, my accounts. We really merged things and documented a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And that made it a lot easier for me. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, yeah. So um, my situation was a mess because we <laughs> was, I was in my 20s. Uh, late twenties and and going on thirty and Chuck was thirty two. We didn't expect any of mm-hmm, e- either one of mm-hmm. us to go anywhere yeah, anytime right. soon. So he did not have a will. He did have life insurance, but I had no idea where the policy was or how much it was for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right, uh, Doctor Dion. No matter what age you are, if you are married, even if you're not married and you have assets, mm-hmm, uh, have mm-hmm. a will. Right. Yes, uh, absolutely. Have a will. Make yeah. sure. That your loved ones, the folks who are going to be taking care of your estate or or, or your finances once you've passed on, make sure it's clearly uh, written out what your what your wishes are, mm-hmm. no matter how old you are. Right. Um, if you are married, you know we don't want to think about we don't. It's a hard conversation to have, right? If one mm-hmm. of us mm-hmm. leaves, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if one of us passes away, it's a hard conversation to have, but it's necessary. It's very necessary, yes. mm-hmm. no matter how old you are. So have the conversation. Make sure that you have a will. Have some life insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important. Right. Have some life insurance. Yes. And know where those forms are. Know where uh, mm-hmm. all of the, the the accounts. Know where the 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 policy is. You know, make sure that you're you're armed with enough knowledge to make sure that you are able to consolidate those bills, take care of those finances, because, you know, just because one of you goes away doesn't mean that the bill collectors aren't expecting their money. Mm -hmm. Um, In my Mm -hmm. in my case, I remember getting back home from Chuck's funeral in Kentucky and a friend of mine um, helped. We in our my bedroom was full. My bedroom floor was full of documents Mm -hmm. and copies of death certificates that mm-hmm. we had yes. to send to mm-hmm. uh, creditors, the, right. our banks, everybody wanted to, you know, you have to prove that they our died in order right. to mm-hmm. get right. some type of leniency either on a bill or get his, like mm-hmm. his student loan was for what they call forgiven because mm-hmm. he passed away. But you have to have a lot of that. And lastly, what I'd like to say is just, just be strong. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I've had to do the last 10 years. I, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And I had a little boy. All this time, you know, every time I feel overwhelmed and stressed out, and it happens a lot, mm-hmm. I just tell myself, our, under the circumstances, I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm-hmm. If Chuck um, was going to pass, then I'd rather be uh, a mom, you know, raising his child, stressed out, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Absolutely, you know, yeah. and, and, and mm-hmm. spending my time at basketball games and practice and all kinds of stuff um, for him. So mm-hmm. uh, no matter how stressed out I am and overwhelmed I am, I really wouldn't have it any other, any other way under mm-hmm. the circumstances. Yeah, right. One practical suggestion is whoever is doing, whether it's the banking mm-hmm. or the primary person that it is handling all of the accounts online, there are many programs out there where you can save, uh, safeguard login and passwords mm-hmm. and they're well protected. Right. And share that with your spouse or with somebody else, put mm-hmm. in a safe place. So in that way, if something happened, being able to access those things online makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. having to go through the entire process. And maybe you can carry on for a little bit longer mm-hmm. if they're automatic payments, but you can validate what those are right. mm-hmm. and let things run as they are for a little while, mm-hmm. having the visibility online. Mm-hmm. So I advise people to do that. Get one of those programs to safeguard the information. Don't mm-hmm. just write it in paper and mm-hmm. leave it in your desk. Yeah. Right. Um. <laughs> yeah. And I would lastly just say, um, find a trusted person, either a friend, uh, a church pastor, or somebody who can act as your advisor. Mm-hmm. Um because in, especially early on in the, the grieving process, you're not thinking clearly mm-hmm. and you don't know or can't remember if this bill got paid or if I need to speak to an attorney about something, uh, either a financial planner or, or somebody in a, in a trusted capacity can help offer advice and guide you. I appreciate it. Thank you. 
my our widowed warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you so much, Dr. Dion. Thank you, Michelle Thank you. Anderson, Marlene Santiago Cook, and Shonda Cooper. I really appreciate you coming on today and sharing your stories. I love doing this. Uh, it, it, I, I love meeting different people, especially women who have had uh, experiences and, and just seeing the connections between people that don't know each other, but they've had yes. the similar experience. It's just, it is yeah. so, it's fascinating to me. And I'm so grateful, yes. Mr. Mike Salmon, yeah. for this opportunity, <laughs> for this opportunity to, to, to showcase these stories that are relevant. And, and there are a lot of people who are going to listen to this and be empowered and, 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 and learn something. I've learned something today. So I really appreciate your time. Yes. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Dr. Dion show where you'll hear smart dialogue about diversity, leadership, and behavior in the workplace and beyond. Our show airs live on the second Friday of each month at 10 a.m., but you can listen to any of our shows anytime by visiting GwinnettBusinessRadioX.com. We're broadcasting from our beautiful Gwinnett Business Radio X studio in the Sinesta Hotel, Gwinnett Place, Atlanta, in Duluth, Georgia. Be sure to like us on Facebook at The Dr. The Dr. Dion Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dion Poulton, on LinkedIn at Dr. Dion Poulton, and also pick up my book, it's not always racist, but sometimes it is. I would also also want to say too, sorry, I didn't ask, how can people reach you if they want to reach you? Or do they have to go, would you want them to go through through the studio? I actually just started a blog, um, okay. one that I'm hoping will help be a bridge builder for the widowed community. Um, it's www.practicallyspeakingforwidows.com. Um, on this blog, there are links to both my Facebook page and Instagram, and I'm adding a Twitter handle. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dr. Dion. <laughs> but you Great. can connect with me on social media there. And this is that was Michelle Anderson speaking. Yes. yes. Great. Okay. Go through the studio. Okay, yes. Just go through the studio if you want to um, reach out to anybody else. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us. And before um, the end of each show, I always um, say my little motto. Expand your circle and your mind. Let people in. Thank you.